0: Welcome to Vita Readings.
1: Lit from the Basement.
0: This is Danielle.
1: And this is Max.
0: I'm an author and professor.
1: I'm a scoundrel.
0: <laughs> I, don't, Sorry. I don't think that you should tell them that in the show. People are going to be unsubscribing like crazy.
1: I'm a salvaged scoundrel.
0: Okay. We're a married couple <laughs> who discuss literature in our basement while our children are sleeping. Our show is pretty simple. I introduce Max to a poem. We discuss it a bit and then use it as a a springboard to discuss issues that we're passionate about or personal stories from our lives.
1: And the boys are now asleep. So let's talk.
0: Tonight we are going to talk about fairy tales. I'm in. <laughs> I knew you would be. I basically picked this poem because I thought that you would enjoy it.
1: Because of just mythology in general or?
0: Yeah, yeah, in part. Uh, the The mood of the poem is a little bit dark. Uh, it utilizes I'm fantastical...
1: Okay, I'm elements. On. I'm d- double in.
0: <laughs> um, and there's a kind of unreliable narrator happening. Oh, here. Yeah, I know. All very close to your heart.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a this is a poem from Jennifer Chang's first book, The hmm. History of Anonymity.
1: That, that's a good title. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's an excellent title. Um, her, her latest book uh, out in 2017 is Some Say the Lark. And I was thinking of doing a poem um, from there. And then going back over her work, I was reading this one and I was like, oh, Max will love this poem.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm, something <laughs> tailored right to me. I'm, right to I'm, you. Yeah. I picked this for you. I'm rubbing my legs like a cricket.
0: <laughs> so the way I see it, this poem is about the stories we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly the, it draws from fairy tale mythologies, um, but in a broader sense, in a broader psychological sense, I see this as a poem about the stories that we tell ourselves versus the stories that others tell of us. And about rebellion,
2: mm-hmm.
0: about the point that rebellion begins. Um, it's it Rebellion is really, it begins as an internal space inside somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, before any outward manifestation happens, you have this sense that things need to change that you are going to eventually cross a threshold Mm -hmm. I see this poem as um, her really literally actually there's a physical threshold here that she keeps going back and forth Hmm. on Um, and and we can talk about this in further but I also wanted to think about this poem in terms of the form of fairy tales I'm interested in the form of fairy tales as laid out by Kate Bernheimer in, uh, in a great essay that she wrote um, called Fairy Tale is Form, Form is a Fairy Tale. Hmm. So we'll be sort of reading Jennifer Chang's work through Bernheimer's work. Um, and I think that you're going to like both of
1: them. Okay. As far as fairy tales go, I'm pretty much a traditional Western dramatic based familiarity. So if we're going to go beyond that, um, well, I guess I'll wait to see what, what the poem is. Um, I am excited.
0: So let's dive in.
1: This is fast. Okay.
0: (laughs) I'm hoping that that this is going to uh, remind you of various moments of rebellion.
1: Oh, and I need that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) In your life.
1: (laughs) Are Are you talking about are you Are you addressing the listeners or me?
0: Yeah, me. You know, maybe both. Okay. (laughs) Okay, wait.
1: It sounds like you have plans. I'm going to be quiet. And listen in.
0: Okay. Obedience, or The Lying Tale, by Jennifer Chang. I will do everything you tell me, Mother. I will charm three gold hairs from the demon's head. I will choke the mouse that gnaws an apple tree's roots and keep its skin for a glove. To the wolf, I will be pretty and kind and curtsy his crossing of my path. The forest, vocal, even in its somber tread, rages. A slope ends in a pit of foxes drunk on rotten brambles of berries, and the raccoons ransack a rabbit's unmasked hole. What do they find but a winter's heap of droppings? A stolen nest, the cracked shell of another creature's child. I imagine this is the rabbit way, and I will not stray, mother, into the forest's thick, where the trees meet the dark, though I have known misgivings of light as a hot hand that flickers against my neck. The path ends at a river I must cross. I will wait for the ferryman to motion me through. Into the waves he etches with his oar a new story. A silent girl runs away. A silent girl is never safe. I will take his oar in my hand. I will learn the boat's rocking and bring myself back and forth. To be good is the hurricane of caution. I will know indecision's rowing, the water I lap into my lap as he shakes his withered head. Behind me. Is the forest before me? The field, a loose run of grass. I stay in the river, mother. I study escape.
1: Lots of wow. I, but lots of questions. There's some questions too.
0: Oh, there's tons of questions in here. I mean, I've read this poem a million times and I still have questions about it. But every single time I get to that ending it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It's a goosebump ending, right?
1: So it it seems to me I'm just going to throw okay. Yeah, do you, it. You've done the research. Here's my read. Um I'm seeing three not necessarily uh, fairy tales but one fairy tale the one uh, the big one is uh three golden hairs from a demon's head
0: yeah what's that from
1: okay that's uh okay it's i'm I'm gonna throw this out brothers Grimm, maybe okay whatever it's a it's it's a it's a western european folk tale mm-hmm. about um oh,
0: probably Grimm. it's probably the brothers Grimm.
1: i don't know it that well only heard it once it's not a it's not a more popular one it's not hansel and gretel it's nothing mm-hmm. you know it's not cinderella um it's it's one about a child destined to marry above their station mm. and um uh, the father of the princess who's destined for this this pauper to marry to um interferes i forgot how sends the boy away does something um the boy eventually comes across three challenges uh, it, I, I'm I'm leaving out lots because I don't remember a lot, but I do know that he had to go and pluck golden hair from a demon. That's one of his his trials. Oh, interesting. Um, these other ones, though, it was also a boy. But again, maybe it was a woman. Maybe it was a young girl destined to marry a king. Maybe because there's all variations of there's you know folk tales. Folk tales vary town to town, so maybe there is one where it's a, a female protagonist. That is going to, to right. do this and, and win a, a young prince's heart later. And she's talking about, um, I imagine this is the rabbit way. Mm. I will not stray mother. So the deference to a wolf. Is this...
0: Well, I mean, to the wolf, I will be pretty and kind and curtsy. His crossing of my path has to be Little Red Riding, Riding Hood. Riding
1: Hood, right? That does sound... Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah, hello,
0: Mr. Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, in it's many variations, right? I mean, the Grimm's tales are
1: grim. Yeah. The that's actual, where we get the word. Yeah,
0: it's the actual um, um, tales themselves are pretty gruesome. Um, do, you know you know, how the,
1: do you know how the prince... Uh, knew that the shoe the glass slipper did not belong to the sisters
0: oh because the sisters cut off their heels it was full of their yeah. blood yeah yeah he's
1: like hmm <laughs> you know what i could see blood in it. yeah it such a keen man that prince mm-hmm. anyhow back to this one um and
0: i'm not convinced that everything in here is a reference to Grimm. okay it might be it just
1: um, is so it's so particular with the three golden hairs of a demon
0: I feel like this is taking on the atmosphere of fairy tale. Okay. It's taking yeah. on the atmosphere of fairy tale um, and yet embedding it with a kind of contemporary sense of psychological depth that fairy tale resists.
1: Okay. Yes. Um,
0: so um, I, I, one of the, I, I mean, a lot of this, this idea really of, of what I just said, I, I'm getting from um, Kate Bermheimer's essay um,
1: did she write the essay about this poem? or did No, she, oh, okay. no, no, no,
0: no. Kate Bernheimer is a fiction writer, uh, notable for a number of things. Um, one is her first three novels um, are a trilogy based on Russian, German, and Yiddish fairy tales. Okay. Um, but also she um, curated this anthology, um, which was an, an award-winning an anthology called My Mother, She Killed Me, My Father, He Ate Me, 40 New Fairy Tales. She's also... She's also the uh, the editor and I think founder of Fairy Tale Review, um, the um, contemporary journal which basically publishes contemporary fairy tales Mm -hmm. written by contemporary authors. Wonderful. So she has been thinking long and hard about fairy tales for a very long time. Right? It shows up in her her work. She's kind of a champion of them. She has this great essay on fairy tale form called "Fairy Tale Is Form, Form Is Fairy Tale." (laughs) (laughs)
1: form is fairy tale that's very postmodern
0: yeah well one of the things that she references in the essay is the fact that postmodern writers utilize uh at least some of the aspects of fairy tale form Hmm. um but okay so she identifies really four um aspects four elements of traditional fairy tales okay flatness and that is flat characters
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Flat character characters in a fairy. They're not Mm multidimensional, right? They're, they are usually known by one or more. I mean, very, very rarely are they known by more than one attribute, right? Mm -hmm. She was young. (laughs) The old woman.
1: (laughs) He was bold.
0: Yeah, exactly. She was pretty. (laughs) Like there's no there's he no had
1: one very long thumb.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're they're known for like one attribute, right? Which is not a contemporary author's um purview. Um right. it, you know, you want I mean any any writing class.
1: Even limericks, the characters have more depth.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean it's really true. And and they're we they... knew
1: the man from Nantucket, aside from his physical endowments, also was whimsical. <laughs> I'm just saying
0: whimsical
1: because he said with a grin as he wiped off his chin oh no <laughs> I, i'm not gonna finish the limerick but i'm just
0: this is terrible jennifer okay. cheng's gonna hate me <laughs> okay so um yeah there aren't given many emotions right there it's perhaps one mm-hmm. you know happy sad they're not psych- psychologically in conflict mm-hmm. in any way, right? They're not like, she was sort of happy and sort of sad and wondering why, why this crazy road led to this particular life. She was feeling unsatisfied with the feminist aims of her, <laughs> of her career in conjunction with her, with her motherhood. Like, this does not happen in fairy tale, right? They're like, she was happy. She was sad. Um, so flat characters, they're, they, they, they lack depth.
1: Okay. Flat. Uh, and Check.
0: Okay. Abstraction. Flatness, of course, it dovetails with the technique of abstraction, which is what Bermheimer says in her F in her essay. Right. Mm-hmm. So fairy tales don't have, they don't have a lot of physical language. It's lovely. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't go into lo- a lot of description. So well, the characters are all... the characters are flat and the the landscape is flat as well.
1: Well these are yeah, but again, the, She went the hist- to the forest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean forest is actually quite physical and not abstract at all, but you know, the the forest looked scary.
1: <laughs> but again, these are uh all fairy tales come from a oral tradition of people from agriculture.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so
1: it's it's You know, I can't imagine it's going to be too colorful, too in depth.
0: No, of course not. But yeah, I mean, there's she's not going to
1: stumble across.
0: There are not even there are actually very few even colors mentioned in it, um, and and you notice this partly because you have a story like Little Red Riding Hood. Mm -hmm. That is the color (laughs) in that in that story. You know that you know.
1: You're right. Everything else is size.
0: Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um. There's not. You know that she didn't like walk into the. Luxuriously green, emerald green forest. Right? (laughs) She didn't. She didn't watch the the fur, the brown suede colored. I don't know. Yeah. She didn't watch the brown fur on on the wolf glisten in the light. Right? Mm -hmm. Like these. You don't get these kinds of. She didn't look at
1: the sweaty thews of the lumberjack. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'd love that. I wish I would. Maybe we should rewrite <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood with uh, your commentary. OK, but here's here's one, okay, of, the, so, one of the big so flat, things. Flat characters mm-hmm. and abstraction. Mm-hmm. U- use of abstraction um, to a noticeable um, extent. Um, intuitive logic.
1: I always have a question mark on these three points, and then you say something immediately, and I'm with you. So right now I'm like, huh? And you're going to tell me something? (laughs) Okay,
0: to, to cobble the story, okay, Bernheimer says, to cobble the story together, fairy tales use what I call intuitive logic, a sort of nonsensical sense. The language of traditional fairy tales tells us that this happened first, and then that happened. There's never an explanation as to Why?
1: Like why could she not sleep with a pea under four mattresses? Exactly. Yeah.
0: The example that Bernheimer gives in her in her essay is actually from Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood, when she first walks into her grandmother's hut, is accosted by a cat on a shelf. The cat says You're a slut if you drink the blood of grandmother. <laughs>
1: this is not the version that was in my book as a kid.
0: Yeah, so the girl, but the girl is is not at all surprised by a cat name-calling her right, right. into shaming
1: her and apparently slu- and also apparently red's her. been around to where even the cats can...
0: or she's in a society of misogyny which does this sort of thing all of the time. that's the fairy
1: tale there's no such thing as misogyny
0: <laughs> you're gonna get it <laughs> I'm going to get you in your sleep <laughs> <laughs> intuitive logic, which is kind of like dream logic, right it's mm-hmm. It's associative leaps from one thing to right. another, and nobody in the stories seemed to be very surprised at all, right
1: by, oh, by anything a giant that that pulsating happens. purple cube humming to me, okay, sure,
0: you know or I mean some of the things are really you know like what is it in Hansel and Gretel the the parents just
1: they walk them into the woods and get rid of them like well, they were tired of them. Right, and this is like taken. Hmm. Okay, and the kids right. knew it was coming because they had breadcrumbs,
0: right. and they were like, <laughs> well, "This okay. is what happens." Right. All right. You know. I, I mean, there's no, there's no big discussion. So, intuitive logic in that there's nothing that's they. You don't get an explanation as to why. Mm-hmm. You don't get the inner psychological story behind these kind of horrific things. And then the final, the fourth element is normalized magic.
1: Okay. Yeah. You know,
0: so like, you know, when Beauty and the Beast Right, right. When Beauty meets meets the Beast, she's surprised at his appearance because mm-hmm. he's ugly. She's not surprised that a beast can talk. Right. Nor is nor is uh Little Red Riding Hood surprised when the wolf talks to her in the forest. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, going to grandmother's house, Mr. Wolf." Like there's just no Right. Normalized magic, and that and that kind of dovetails also with the intuitive logic, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're we're in a kind of dreamscape to a certain extent, mm-hmm. right? And that's why these fabulous things are allowed to happen. Uh, and Bernheimer Everybody just
1: kind of wanders into a Gabriel Garcia Marquez novel, no, oh.
0: <laughs> or any any contemporary use of fabulism or fantasy, mm-hmm. right? One of the interesting things about more contemporary fantasy. Um, you know, most notably, um, Martin's Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, or the,
1: well, just saying, real quick, Martin broke fantasy.
0: I know, <clears throat> <laughs> it's really interesting, to know, but that's one of the fascinating things about it, and I think why contemporary audience audiences often, um, despite. A lack of knowledge or even lack of desire to read fantasy mm-hmm. is interested in that specifically. I mean, partly it's just the boobs and the violence <laughs> and that sort of thing, how it's broadcasted there. Um, but in part, I think it's because he takes a more contemporary stance on the idea of magic. Right? People, mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, that that doesn't happen. That either we believe that that didn't doesn't happen anymore, or we believe that that never happened. That right. that was just a tale.
1: Yeah. So you're talking about religion at this point now, right? No. <laughs> oh, I thought this was where you're going.
0: No, okay. that that actually wasn't where I was going. I'm, I'm like stuck in fantasy <laughs> uh, again. Full, full force. I know that's how you feel about it. <laughs> um. So, um. So one of my questions mm-hmm. that I would like for us to contemplate here okay. is: What does does Jennifer Chang's poem? actually is it aligned with these four elements of fairy tale what what elements is she aligned with and what violates the elements of fairy tale what brings it into a different moment
1: told me that before i could have listened for it so we're we're wondering about how she breaks
0: yeah how how does she fit in and how does she break because i think anybody who picks up this poem immediately understands that it's sort of drawing from or in the atmosphere of fairy
1: tale. Yeah. And we know right. for certain it literally is drawing from known fa- or a couple of fairy tales here.
0: Right. And and you know the very the very title of the poem the lying tale mm. obedience comma or the lying tale which i really love. <laughs> I really love that it's that it's either or i love that what it suggests to me is that obedience is always a lie.
1: And also obedience, though, is always what the fairy tales were. They were to scare children.
0: Oh, yeah, you're Don't right. Don't
1: cry fox because one day we'll stop coming for you.
0: Yeah, Don't,
1: yeah. It's always about all the fairy tales are about scaring children, just like religion, scaring them into being good.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, the Grimm's mm-hmm. going around um, all of the the sort of rural Germany. Um, Germany um, most of the people that they interviewed were, of course, women. Hmm. Who are watching the children working the fields doing, you know, all, all, all these sorts of things. So they are a really fascinating look into the lives of women, their values, what they were afraid of most. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you have so many stories about children in peril.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Right. We, and well... so
0: many stories about. Girls getting married or being on the precipice of getting married. Mm-hmm. Beneath the tales, you can sense a kind of emotionality, I guess, to what they were describing.
1: Um, so, I mean, she has, I mean, we're talking about the, the hallmarks of a traditional...
0: <clears throat> the hallmarks of a traditional fairy tale.
1: So she's, okay. we've got a, a forest full of creatures, but they're not talking, but they are... Not being cute either.
0: Yeah, they're they're being real.
1: Yeah, a slope that ends in a pit of foxes.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know. That's. I mean, really, a slope that ends in a pit of foxes. I want a t
1: shirt that says that. (laughs) Um. And then the uh, and they're
0: drunk on rotten brambles of berries.
1: Yeah, fermented fruit.
0: Right. Actually, and the raccoons are just doing things
1: that raccoons do. Yeah, but they're predicating pre
0: preying on
1: the raccoons because they're ransacking the rabbit's hole but all that's there is winter droppings and then in that is a stolen nest
0: Mm -hmm. yeah a stolen nest Uh, and i love the way that she puts us the cracked shell of another Another
2: creature's creature's child
0: child. you're like oh yeah a cracked egg is not a she's drawing attention to the fact that it actually is a big deal to somebody yeah right to that bird Mm -hmm. um which is kind of amazing um. Yeah, a lot of the things that, but the, I mean, to the wolf, I will be pretty and kind and curtsy. His crossing of my path is clearly like inside of this intuitive logic right. and normalized magic. Not quite yet because we haven't heard the, the wolf speak mm-hmm. at this point. But the fact that she's like, yes, I will curtsy to the wolf. Yes. Um, ha- has to be intuitive logic. And a lot of this is intuitive logic, right? I mean, it moves very dreamlike. I will do everything you tell me, mother. I will charm three gold hairs from the demon's head. To begin that way, we are inside of a dream. Right. (laughs) Um, And and we move with this speaker through the forest and she sees all kinds of horrible things that are actually also completely mundane.
1: Mm -hmm. Plucking the hairs from the demon's head. Mm -hmm. um, I think now that I'm pondering i think it was actually the devil that the child was supposed to pluck the hairs from Mm. so he took a a ferryman he he went to the river so that's the ferryman that's the river sticks and still it's never called that i don't believe Mm -hmm. um but it seems like the whole last half of this
0: takes place in on that river
1: i will bring myself back and forth
0: yeah, I, interestingly, what I what one of the things I like about the the three gold hairs is that she says I will charm three gold hairs.
1: Charm? Oh, not pluck from, from okay. the
0: demon's head. She's not plucking. She has oh, to right. charm them. Oh, because that's a woman's lot, <laughs> right? Yes. Yep. I will have to charm three gold hairs from the demon's head. I will curtsy at the wolf. Right? Like this seems very. Be Shit. passive
1: to survive is yeah. the cautionary I mean, tale. It's
0: it's all over the place, right? The path ends. Um, I will wait for the ferryman to motion me through. Wait, mother, into the forest thick where the trees meet the dark. Though I have known misgivings of light, as a hot hand that flickers against my neck. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's so ghostly. Yeah. At that, but you learn, But it's also just there's threat. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere in the palm. Right? It's not
1: it's not a chill touch from the grave making the hairs, the mm-hmm. hackles in her neck rise. It's a warm hand.
0: Yeah. That could be and that's that would be terrifying
1: if yeah, you were alone in a forest. In the woods and there's a sweaty hand <laughs> resting on your neck. <laughs> Again.
0: Yeah, horrible. Okay. The path ends and then there's this there's a line break and a stanza break here. At a river, river I, I must, must cross. cross. Yeah,
1: this okay. We're here. basically she's she's at a crossroads.
0: Yes, a literal one, right?
1: But this is something. It's even beyond a crossroads.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is a this is between the life she is known mm-hmm. and 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 the life that she and the and the unknown into the future, right?
1: And possibly between one existence and another.
0: Yes, um, and so I see this as you know. In relating this to sort of the contemporary moment, if there is a kind of threshold moment mm-hmm. for anybody, like if you find yourself sort of walking back and forth in a hallway and trying to make a decision on where to go, um, but I, in a broader, in a broader sense, less metaphorical sense, I mean, I see this as the transition between childhood and adulthood, between adolescence and adulthood. Or, or any, any, anything where you know that there is a kind of secret self inside
2: mm-hmm.
0: that is unknown, right? It has yet to be known, at least by the mother and by the world around. Like, this person is going to cross this river. And and the reason why they keep going back and forth. Like, it tells us before, the path ends at a river I must cross. Perhaps refusing to cross the river is a kind of decision, in of itself Mm -hmm. right instead of instead of crossing that river and becoming whoever it is you think that i should do that i should become um i will learn how to be the ferryman Hmm. and i will row myself back and forth In, in part that could be a decision in of itself but a real desire to cross into that next side but and knowing that it's going to happen eventually, but the self isn't ready for it mm-hmm. yet. And I don't, I don't know which one. Which, 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 which are you sort of leaning more towards, or do you have a different reading of this? Well, I
1: think I, it doesn't help that you, you planted the word rebellion in my head mm. before, before the reading. So yeah. what screams the loudest to me out of this, uh-huh. for things that I, beyond uh, uh, seeing the familiar, is to be good is the hurricane of caution. Yeah. Like I can go the path you want, that is still fraught.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: This is th- what what you want me to be good and do is still going to be dangerous for me.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna curtsy at the wolf that crosses my path.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna supplicate myself and rely on the whims and the and then hopefully the decency of those who prey upon me. Yeah. So basically, you want me to, every time I meet somebody, to roll belly up.
0: That's what it seems like. Like, these these are the things that they...
1: That got you through life, bomb, but...
0: <laughs> well, she's also asked to, while being charming, while being good, mm-hmm. to do some pretty gruesome things. I mean, to charm three gold hairs from the demon's head, but also I will choke the mouse that gnaws an apple tree's roots and keeps, keep its skin for a glove. <laughs>
1: Now, here's a quick word on behalf of our sponsor. Spitzer Technology Consulting is the all-in-one company for anything from hardware installation to software migration, even building personalized websites. SpitzerTech strives to exceed your expectations while being conscious of your budget. They take pride in using the best-in-class hardware and software to ensure you function at your best with stable, worry-free technology. Looking for IT with a personal touch? Go to spitzertech.net, that's S-P-I-T-Z-E-R-T-E-C-H.net, or just scroll to the bottom of our own page and see what they can do for you. Spitzer Technology Consulting, when you call, they answer. When you email, they reply. We did just pause to actually read. uh, We Googled up uh, Devil, Three Gold Hairs, and found a Grimm's fairy tale called...
0: The Devil with Three Golden Hairs.
1: Okay, so now we're back to this.
0: What happens... Uh, A boy is born with a call across his face, which is a symbol of luck, Um, and people interpret this as that he is going to marry the king's daughter. The king hears of this. He has a wicked heart, and so he comes to basically kill the the child Um, and um, takes the child away by the parents' okay once they have some gold
1: yeah but they don't know it's the king it's just a stranger who gives them money they're like oh no we don't know he's like i have lots of money they're like okay
0: here he is here's the child in a box and he throws the box in a river but instead of sinking the box goes to a miller and his wife and they raise the child um the king lots of shenanigans ensue moses the boy does end up marrying the king's daughter even though the king doesn't want him to and it sends him on a fool's errand to pluck three gold hairs from the devil's head and so the boy has to go into hell to do so and of course has to cross the river to get there um and what ends up happening is at some point the king gets his comeuppance because the boy does get the three golden hairs um by talking with the devil's grandmother (laughs) <laughs> which is not canon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a that's a common. Uh, I don't remember that from Genesis. Yeah,
1: <laughs> which Nor is really from the which Apocrypha. is really interesting.
0: Like he basically like meets the devil's grandmother, who's like a kindly old lady, who's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll help you. i yeah, help great. you out. Yeah, and uh, so he. Gets My a-
1: grandson's a dick, but I'm gonna help you. <laughs>
0: I know. Like, is this her apology to the don't, world? Don't even
1: get me started on my grandson. <laughs> <laughs> you know everything bad you've ever heard of? Yeah, that was him. Yeah. <laughs> but he mows my yard, so. Yeah. This is obviously a, a a deviation from that. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, it's- It's a woman. It's a woman mm-hmm. who's who's speaking. I assume when oh, there's, there's the curtsy, right? Yeah. So a we,
1: silent girl runs away in
0: and, and And the references to girls, yeah exactly as as you're saying, but interestingly, um that what's happening at the end of this poem with her going back and forth on the river is is more or less the end of the devil with three golden hairs is the ending of that one too, but in that case, the boy returns from hell with with a lot of wealth, and the king says, "Oh, wonderful, a lot of wealth where Where do I find this?" No, the, the the boy tells him the gold was across the river and the story ends with the king crossing the river with the ferryman who hands him the oar upon reaching the other side, which condemns him to a life of ferrying travelers back and forth forever. So this thing that is happening at the end of The Devil with Three Golden Hairs is a punishment to the the king with his wicked heart who keeps trying to harm the lucky boy, right? But in this case, you have the young woman who seems to be choosing it right to choose to stay in this space and perhaps that is the choice perhaps she doesn't want
1: to move on well yeah she actually if she is if she becomes the ferryman she is uh, she is choosing to be to remain in perpetuity in the liminal stage yes the stage in between that's and, always in all myth is always the most dangerous aspect
0: yeah and, but interestingly this choice to stay in a kind of liminal space is the safest choice you could possibly make on either side of the river is threat mm-hmm. and danger an expectation for her that she doesn't want. Right. Although I, I, I do feel like there that she's ramping up to something at the end. That last line Yeah. behind me is the forest before me, the field, a loose run of grass. I stay in the river mother. I study escape.
1: So she's going to say, you know what? I'm not going forward or backwards. I'm going to hang out in the middle and get the real lay of the land. Yeah. And I'm going to jump.
0: <laughs> I'm going to anticipate.
1: I'm not going to zig. I'm not going to zag.
0: <laughs> I'm going to zag. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel really at the end of this that she is like preparing for something big. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not going to go. She's not. Go- she's not a stupid or simple girl at all. The very fact that she can name all of these things, mm-hmm. that she is seeing all of this horror even in the most mundane of of forest scenes, right, right, um, that she has survived this far because she's so cognizant of her surroundings and her the expectations for her, mm-hmm. you know. So this moment um, of going back and forth in the river, I feel like, is really a moment of her screwing up the courage to do what she knows she what she has to do
1: but we also have a boat Mm -hmm. and bring myself back and forth like Mm -hmm. the rocking of a boat and also the journey that back and forth the water i lap into my lap i liked the reoccurring things of that what do you call that (laughs) lap lap it's
0: i mean it's 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 repetition
1: but of of but the repetition the words are not the same.
0: No, they aren't. But it's a very clever use of repetition.
1: Yes, very cool. <laughs> um, but she's and then talking about a hurricane of caution. Mm-hmm. She's going to navigate treacherous waters just to hold, to hold steady for yeah. a little while. Yeah. And meanwhile, she's going to be looking at. She's getting the lay of the land. There's a run in the grass. There's different right. ways to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. That run in the grass, a loose run of grass.
1: Yeah, a mm. rabbit run. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, what
1: that is. Yeah, because she's very way. much her
0: rabbit. Yeah, this is the rabbit's way.
1: Which all this now comes to, Richard Adams's Watership Down.
0: Really? Yes. Why? Why is that?
1: It's it's anthropomorphized rabbits navigating the world with their own mythologies. They have the stories of Ella Hara, the great trickster rabbit. That they, they, they're the stories that tell each other to survive, and it's the crossing of the river, the watership. It had something to do with uh, well, now I can say grim
2: mm-hmm. fairy
1: tales, and then I thought it was transitioning into Watership Down. I thought she was doing a that, which is a modern fairy tale.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or
1: uh, I, uh, I guess uh, it's a modern, very complex Aesop's fable.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's what I, I would say about this that the, in which it breaks fairy tale, and certainly Watership Down breaks mm-hmm. the fairy tale thing. It has the intuitive logic. Um, you know, I—I I mean, it doesn't even really have—it doesn't have the flat character, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have a lot of abstraction. It has a lot of specificity. This is very physical. Yes, you don't normally get descriptions like this of a forest, right? Well,
1: dark forest, and then we leave it at that.
0: Yes, the forest is <laughs> <Yeah>. dark. <laughs> You're like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, it's it's far more, so the the psychological complexity of and partly the psychological complexity of this is merely. Because it is spoken from the first person, I. Mm. I will do what you tell me, mother. <laughs> Which I don't believe.
1: No. Well, yeah, at first when I heard that, I heard Anthony Perkins from Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mother. I will clean up the dirty girls put them away. But- I,
0: I think the poem is resisting your reading in that particular <laughs> instance.
1: <laughs> and I, I when when the, that first line, Anthony Perkins came to mind. He was gone very quickly as soon okay, as she got down okay. to line two.
0: Yeah, okay. I will charm three gold hairs, and then it was gone. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Partly, it's because the poem itself is in first person. You don't get that in the Grimm's fairy tales because, of course, it was a person. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the folklore aspect of this was somebody telling tales about somebody else right it was always in the third person that's that's the way we understand it so merely by putting it in the eye and getting the eyes perspective suddenly the pretty girl or the uh young girl is probably you know all said or or the young woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever it is that we imagine the speaker to be abstracted and flattened out in a fairy tale comes to life the second you put it in the eye Mm -hmm. i will do everything you tell me mother I will charm three gold hairs from the demon's head because all of a sudden she has a voice. She does not have a voice in a fairy tale. The depth of her knowledge about her surroundings, what she notices and and also what she leaves out. Like it feels very much like she's she's like, yes, of course. Yes, I I will.
1: Yes, mother. Her fingers are crossed behind her back. Exactly. Yes, mother.
0: I study escape, right? <laughs> Not just from this particular situation, but from the forest, from you. Mm-hmm. From whatever from from whatever story I have found myself trapped in. I'm trapped in somebody else's story.
1: Right. Which is how we don't know if it's a good or bad relationship she has with her mother, but children feel trapped by their parents in their, their parents' story in their in their parents' oh, perception sure. of the world. Oh,
0: for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know we're
1: we're both extremes, so, but I think it's kind of,
0: yeah, but I think that's a that's a common thing. That's why we have, um, that's why rebellion yeah. is kind of a necessity at some yeah. point to to burst into your own sense Self. of adulthood, yeah. yeah, and your sense,
1: and to get your own wisdom by making the mm-hmm. mistakes you've been warned to never make.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I I just wanted to mention a couple of of things about this mm-hmm. this poem. I mean, one what I really love about it is the imagery throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, it leaps from image to image and everything feels very surprising. Even if you know the story of, of the three golden hairs, she's utilizing such a clipped, compressed, Mm -hmm. um, language of this. But then, you know, you get the, the scene of the foxes, um, ravaging the rabbit's nest. Um, and, the uh you know, the light as a hot hand that flickers against my neck. I mean these the images are so vivid and surprising throughout. I mean, I love lines like to be good is the hurricane of caution. Yeah. Which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like something is a brewing. <laughs> I'm good. I am good. <laughs>
1: I've um, got a set of lock picks. This chastity belt's gonna fall to the floor.
0: Um, The other thing about this, I don't know if you noticed, and um, I don't know how how deeply we can go into the significance of this, but um, it it has these sort of large um, stanzas. And if you might notice, each of the stanzas has eight lines to it. Um, And uh, Jennifer Chang, in her work, especially in the history of anonymity, um, has some pretty wild dramatic line breaks mm-hmm. One of the reasons I chose this, I was like, oh God, if I choose one of these other earlier poems, he's gonna he's just gonna hate me to try to code it for our <laughs> um Oh
1: you mean physically when I have yeah. to code these oh, poems. Yeah.
0: Physically if you have to code the poems on our website like yeah. you were just gonna By the way, hate, please hate come me. and see
1: our show notes. I put a lot of work <laughs> into coding these poems.
0: Um, you know, in order to get them up um, to, to match the, the to the, look the, to look right yeah on the site um, where yeah
1: mm. whereas
0: this this one will be fairly straightforward
1: yeah, this this won't require anything
0: huge which is actually unusual for her mm-hmm. um, so the very fact that, that you have these sort of boxes that look like paragraphs they're kind of thick mm-hmm. right um, that there's a kind of s- story like uh, element to the visual um, aspect of this and the way in which the voice is very straightforward. Yes, I will do this. And then I will do this. And then I will do this, which is tale like mm-hmm. in of itself. So that there's something about this form that feels quite narrative. Um, obviously there is a kind of embedded narrative in this, though. She, she leans on the ending where she's going back and forth. Um, and so she doesn't give us an, an ending. I mean, she doesn't give us a, a conclusion in the way that a story usually does, like, and then they got married and everybody was happy or, you know, the wicked king died, you know, these sorts of things. She, she ends it, which is a common, she ends it at the most climactic moment,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is a technique of poetry that you see quite often as opposed to in more traditional narrative. In a traditional narrative, you know, you have the usual five-part structure. You have got exposition, where you find out what people are like. You have the rising action, where you, like, you know a little bit more about their day and a conflict is introduced. Then you have the turning point, or point of no return. Mm -hmm. And then you have the climactic moment, which is both the emotional high point for both the reader and the protagonist. And then you have the denouement, or conclusion, right? In a poem... Um, that uses narrative structure to create tension in the work, and certainly that 's here she's she 's actually physically moving forward uh, in a forest um, in a poem, often what happens is the poet leaves you at at the sort of climactic moment and and leaves you there kind of on purpose um, a it allows you to sort of meditate about what. Move she's going to make next, Mm -hmm. right? But partly it just ends up being a structural technique because in a traditional narrative where you have a lot of time, usually to write up to the moment of climax, right? Say you have eight pages leading up to a particular moment, the climactic moment, um, and then you have you know a couple of pages for a falling action or denouement, or maybe just a paragraph. The longer that ramp up in narrative structure, the longer of a denouement you're going to need. And it's also true, if you have a short structure, you maybe don't even need a denouement.
1: So is that why Lord of the Rings had like a, a two-hour denouement?
0: Yes. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. No, in a novel, you are, I mean, if, when you spend hundreds of pages leading up to like a, a climactic moment, that that emotional release, that epiphanic moment. Mm-hmm. You need um, traditionally
1: not with Lord of the Rings. (laughs) We did not need that long of a denouement.
0: You didn't like that, huh? No. (laughs) Um, Traditionally, that's what novelists do: is they give you a sort of long fall, fall the falling action of it, um, to uh, help. Sort of release some of that tension that is that uh, and 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 bring the world back into kind of like an orderly space, the world of the book that is. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a you know short story, you ha- you would spend much less time on falling action. I'm sure you've And in a seen poem, the... you can just throw it on out the window. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the the graph of male writing versus female writing.
0: Uh, no, I have not.
1: Of. climax and resolution <laughs> I, it's okay when it's graphed out uh-huh female writers uh-huh. are more episodic yeah so you literally have a wave it's it's a, a wave up and down up and down up and down going across An for a very long
0: orgasm time. throughout the I, throughout I, the I,
1: text I, I know whereas the man's fucking spikes <laughs> okay, let me tell you something. Here's a here's a quick thing. Okay. Roger Corman, the Schlock film king, always, always, if you watch his films, his films never last more than 30 seconds. Literally, they do not last more than 30 seconds after the monster dies. Cause he's like, the people have seen what they want, they're done, they don't want to hang around for the rest of this. It's over. <laughs> so usually serious? even as the monster is dying, like the beast of Leech Lake. Or or whatever, Reptilicus, well, he didn't do Reptilicus, but whatever these films are, the the credits roll as the creature is sinking back into wherever it came from. <laughs> I'm down with that kind of ma.
0: <laughs> That's quite interesting. Actually, I mean, you were bringing up a point that I, I had completely forgotten about, which is that... um In a book by Joanna Russ called "How to Suppress Women's Writing," <laughs> she um actually has this fantastic uh, chapter that's that discusses the ways in which how we understand plot. Basically, plot is masculine.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's it. Maybe that was the the graphing of the writing.
0: Yeah, and, and it she was, it
1: was shown to me in my first lit class in at a community college, and I started just giggling. And the teacher's like, yes, yeah. exactly what you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is ridiculous. And-
0: no, in, in in the chapter that I'm thinking of, she gives all these examples and they're just hilarious. She's like, take take any one of like the some famous masculine novels and just switch out the, pro, the male protagonist for a female. Like, and so she's giving these examples like, you know, a young girl has to go into the Minnesota wilderness and kill a bear to prove her femininity. (laughs) Okay. I did not know know where
1: you were going. Sorry. (laughs) I thought you were graphing. No.
0: No. I mean, you know, things like that where you're like, oh, right. The stories that we tell are embedding in our culture gendered identities that is difficult to escape, Mm -hmm. partly just to become aware of one's own uh, entrapment in these stories, right? But <laughs> what are you smirking about?
1: I'm, I'm smirking because right before we want to leave, I, I think I have a new take on the very last part of this poem.
0: Oh, what is it?
1: I stay in the river, mother. I study my escape. Maybe we've read this wrong the entire time because Navy SEALs are all trained to get back in the water if the mission goes wrong. <laughs>
0: the speaker a navy seal <laughs> i don't <laughs>
1: don't you know what it doesn't I, resist my reading. i
0: think the text is resisting your reading of it well we're very curious to know what you think of this poem um and we have links on the homepage for you to subscribe to our show on itunes and spotify
1: our show notes now have their own tab on our site menu
0: if you have a comment or suggestion about the show, drop us a line on our contact page.
1: And I got kind of say we've already received two emails. The first one is from the award-winning author, Jess Anthony. She was the first person to send us an email. <laughs> Hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. And also our second email is from an international listener. So, hello to Pelin in Istanbul. And if you want to hear Danielle read some of her work, click on the Vanity Press tab on our site as well. And for comments you have, go ahead and just go over to our contact page. And shoot and, us an email.
0: <laughs> or gently send us an email. You don't have to shoot it.
1: No, no. Yeah, you can dribble one out to us. <laughs> oh,
0: <God>. Horrible. <laughs> Let's leave them alone now. Good night.
1: No, not yet. Before we leave you, uh-huh. here's that poem one more time.
0: <laughs> Jennifer Cheng is going to hate me. Obedience, or The Lying Tale, by Jennifer Chang I will do everything you tell me, Mother. I will charm three gold hairs from the demon's head. I will choke the mouse that gnaws an apple tree's roots and keep its skin for a glove. To the wolf I will be pretty and kind and curtsy his crossing of my path. The forest, vocal, even in its somber tread, rages. A slope ends in a pit of foxes, drunk on rotten brambles of berries, and the raccoons ransack a rabbit's unmasked hole. What do they find but a winter's heap of droppings? A stolen nest, the cracked shell of another creature's child, I imagine this is the rabbit way, and I will not stray, mother, into the forest's thick where the trees meet the dark, though I have known misgivings of light as a hot hand that flickers against my neck. The path ends at a river I must cross. I will wait for the ferryman to motion me through. Into the waves he etches with his oar a new story. A silent girl runs away. A silent girl is never safe. I will take his oar in my hand. I will learn the boat's rocking and bring myself back and forth. To be good is the hurricane of caution. I will know indecision's rowing the water I lap into my lap as he shakes his withered head. Behind me is the forest, before me the field, a loose run of grass. I stay in the river, mother, I study escape.
1: Okay, before we say goodnight, we want to say sorry Jennifer Chang. I really didn't do your I, I did you no know justice today. Okay,
0: I, but I have a question to ask yeah. you. Do you like this poem? I do. I know it's awesome, right? Yes, yeah, yes. it's such a good poem. Yeah.
1: No, I was never did I ever sound like I was ridiculing it? No, no, no not not at all. I am down with it.
0: Yeah, I thought that you would be. I'm glad that I'm glad that I was right.
1: Um, I I'm, I'm with it. I'm in. I was in.
0: Wonderful. (laughs) We hope that you are in too.
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Good night.
1: Take care. to get your own wisdom by making the mistakes you've been warned to never make.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You were told to stay away from me.
0: Because <laughs> this comes to? I, yeah, I was told to stay away from you from everyone.
1: All but one person. But I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I wasn't a child when we got together. I was 32, so.
1: I know, but that's, that's been the thing on me my whole life. Oh, really? Let me just say right now, never tell somebody they shouldn't be with somebody. I am always thankful when somebody has told somebody else to stay away from me.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's funny because when you and I first got together and, and uh, I I was telling, you know, the ridiculous, ridiculously long story, which we aren't going to go into, mm-hmm. to a friend of mine. And I was like, and everybody was just like getting between us and pushing us away. And, and my friend was like, well that's stupid I was like I know it's so condescending he's like no it's stupid because haven't they ever heard of Romeo and Juliet if what you want is for them to not get together then do not (laughs) do not get between them don't put
1: roadblocks in their way
0: don't put any roadblocks in their way that makes it far more romantic